So when we look at the maturity levels of organizations and when you think of an industry which is maybe a bit more conservative, so maturity level might be not that, how to say, advanced. So mm -hmm. this would be the role of transformation managers and change managers, how to transform the organization and, and also look for new people as well. New people does not mean, you know, the same people with the same mindset, you know, which whom you recruited the years before, but also people who maybe look different, you know. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sofian Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Glad you could join us. I hope you're all having a good start to the new year. You know, when we talk about innovation, we talk about change. And we talk about systems to, to implement systems to manage innovation. And that's certainly change. And we talk about processes, we talk about governance, and that's change. And we also talk about how those have to evolve in a company. So it's not a one-time change. And then we also talk about business transformation. That's the big change. Well, our guest today is uh, Fali Maria Bluma, and she really understands change very well. She is the uh, transformation office lead in operations excellence at a company called Avonic, a specialty, specialty chemicals company in Germany. But she's worked in communications, HR, and operation excellence in various companies, energy groups, and technology industry. And what's really exciting is she, she led the uh, next-gen ERP program change from 2019 to 2021 as they moved over to SAP uh, HANA. And and she's still here. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she survived. <laughs> and she's, you know, that's a global effort, 15,000 SAP users. And there's plenty of war stories of people who didn't make it through that. So, Folly, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Paul, for the invitation. I'm really flattered. Thanks. <laughs> and where are we speaking to you from today? Where are you? I'm located in Essen in Germany. Essen is close uh, to Düsseldorf, or who are familiar with Germany, also close to Cologne. Yeah, in the Ruhrgebiet, yeah? In the Ruhr area, right, <laughs> where the coal mining industry was. I was, yeah. And Phonic is a major uh, company there, isn't it? Yeah, that's Tell right. Us. It's one of the biggest employers. So we are a global specialty chemicals company with 33,000 employees worldwide and with operations in over 120 production sites all over the world. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what's the weather like there? Is it winter yet? Is it... Uh... It's becoming colder again. So mm -hmm. two weeks ago, it was quite cold. Uh, then it became a bit uh, warmer. Uh, so I've been suffering from uh, hay fever. And now it, it, the weather gets worse again, which is pretty cool for people who are suffering uh, from allergies because, you know, all the pots get washed away. And now it's getting colder again. Yeah. So looking forward to winter time, you know. Yeah, allergies is something for April, not not not, yeah. not January. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. How's the weather at the East Coast? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm actually located today. I'm in uh, Colorado. Oh, yeah, Colorado. I'm sorry, I didn't know that. Okay, wow. Well, yeah, cool. yep, yep. And uh, we have, <laughs> we had for the last six months of 2021, we had less rain than Death Valley. We've been oh, wow. in a severe drought here, oh. but. Uh, Last week we had uh, about uh, uh, six inches, so call that uh, uh, 12, 
about 15 centimeters of, of snow. And then this morning we had another 15, 20 centimeters of snow. So oh. maybe, win maybe winter f found us as well. <laughs> oh, keep my fingers crossed for skiing. There you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, uh, uh, Folly, you know, change management, what does that mean? Tell me what that, what, what is that? In your definition. Oh, this is a very good question. Um, so what is change management? This is um, how to set up measures in order to get from one state to the other. Yeah. And change For management is also a profession where people or managers try to accompany, you know, affected or impacted employees through the so-called change curve you know everyone goes through the change curve when it comes to transitions you're familiar with that you know first you are uh, maybe angry or maybe you're also very emotional or very happy about uh, the news then the rumors start you know then you get angry then you talk to each other and t tell each other no that's not possible they're not going to do that now no way it won't work then you will enter the uh, valley of tears you know and hopefully you will also be able to to climb out of the valley of tears in order to test the new things to try it out to see and recognize it really works and then be hopefully committed yeah well yeah that's uh, i love your i love your language i love your 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 descriptions the valley of tears yeah that's a good one how did you first get involved in change management uh, that was a good question, which I received from Casey, you know, in preparation of our um, talk call. Yeah. And I reflected on that. And when I thought about when I was first experienced change, I think it was with my birth. You know, my parents are Chinese um, immigrants. They migrated to Germany in 1969. I was born and raised in uh, Germany, and my first language was Chinese. I'm not fluent mm -hmm. in Chinese at all anymore, because when I entered a kindergarten at the age of three, then I started to um, talk German or learn German. And I was always the other one, you know, the special kid, because I looked differently. I had a different background. I was not able to talk very fluently uh, German. So this, I think, was the first experience. And when I reflected further on my professional roles, I think in every role which I've taken over in communications as press officer, that was a completely new role, or in HR, when I set up a new employer branding campaign, I always initiated and implemented new things, you know? And my first official role as change manager was in one of the last operations excellence programs which I worked in, that was at my former company, Herios, technology um, company. And um, we had a program where we implemented lean management together with McKinsey. And with the same time, we also reduced FTEs. So that was, I think you can relate to that, a bit challenging then to be in charge of change when people are really afraid of losing their jobs, you know. And that, that was really interesting, a great learning, and we managed quite well. So, Yeah, was that a, how, how long was that project? Was it uh, years, months? I almost stayed two years in that program, and then I got from Ivonic, you know, to join them. So it was uh, one year and eight months. Yeah. Okay. So, so these these are these change uh, these programs that require change. It's not simple. It's not one month. Send out an email, put some flyers together, and we're done. Is it? It's it, it takes work. Yeah, yeah. It really takes work, and this is uh, great that you are um, pointing at this, Paul, because when you initiate a project, you know, when you see a project or org chart, you always or often see a box with change management. But when you look at the reality, maybe there's little or 
no change at all because people right. tend to forget that you have to plan resources and that not only means FTEs or a person that really takes care of this, but also budget for an external change consultancy, which is going to support you because you would also need the expertise, you know, and additional um, resources in order to support uh, you with all the change measures. And you really have to understand what is the change exactly about. You know, this is yeah. one of the major homeworks you have to do as a change manager. It's not easy. No. Maybe you could share one of those, you know, what that what that SAP project was like and how you <laughs> how did you approach it? I mean, that's a major, major effort, right? Yeah, and it was really um it was fun, you know, um having supported the colleagues in, in a two years program. So I was approached by them to take over uh, the change management office. That means change and communications globally to prepare fifteen thousand end users for the uh S4 HANA Go Live. And the first challenge was I don't have an SAP account called Paul. <laughs> I really don't understand yeah. you know, the SAP language. So when I first joined the project meetings, I wasn't able to understand the colleagues. They were referring to transactions, their transactions, other cockpits. And I, I always thought, what are they talking about? What the hell yeah. is this about? And I really had difficulties. And then my boss, you know, my former boss, he approached me and, and asked me how I felt. And I told him, I'm a bit confused because I really don't understand them. Yeah, if it's really that bad and told him, yeah, you know, when I am in charge of communications, I really have to understand what you're talking about because otherwise yeah. I wouldn't be able to communicate it to the affected end users. And that's the reason why I also entered a crash course on SAP. But uh, I was in um, the very yeah, good situation that we had enough budget in order to um, engage a consultancy, a change consultancy, who together with me, they translated all the information which we received from IT and business to an easy to understand language that was really, really helpful. Because when you saw the presentations, you know, made by the experts, and if you would have presented it to normal, you know, end users, they would have been lost, you know? Yeah. The second challenge which we had was um, you always have to have facts and figures like what is the change exactly about, you know, how many people are affected, uh, when they will be affected and where are they located. And at that point, when we started our program, due to German data protection reasons, we were not allowed to know who is exactly using the SAP system. So we mm. only have figures like 18 to 20,000. And I told them, I know this is really difficult for us because we really have to know how many and where are they located in order to set up a change network, you know? Then we had a very great analysis where we understood, okay, it's 15,000 end users in 44 countries. We also saw the biggest regions in order to understand, okay, this is where we will have to install change agents in order that they would reach out to the end users to tell them, bit by bit about um, the changes that are coming with the Esfahana Live. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I took away from that. You have the ability, uh, you bring in, and I think it's important, empathy. You understand uh, mm -hmm. the end users. I think you're spot on. Uh, so many times we use language, the experts use language, and the users don't understand it and they're afraid to ask. Nobody wants to, oh, I've been using SAP for 10 years, but I don't want to look stupid. So I'm not going to ask what is, what do these yeah. words mean? And it also takes time, you know, to install trust, you know, because we thought also from a change perspective, oh, people will be very happy when we come up with a change net network and they will be happy when we present to them on a regular basis, the upcoming changes. 
But uh, we understood and learned that it really takes time, especially because the pandemic just started at that time. Oh, that wow. uh, yeah. we also we were not allowed to switch on the cameras due to VPN connections, you know, in order not to disturb any connections. So you could only hear each other, and that was even more difficult. And then um, exactly in a new program, in a new role, it took really a while until people were open to ask their questions in order not to look stupid or to understand that we would really welcome every question, you know, in order that they uh, get the answer because uh, we are also not the experts and we wanted to ensure that everyone is satisfied and prepared for the Esfahana Golan. Yeah. And then you had all those cultures. Exactly. Exactly. So the Asian colleagues were a bit more quiet, you know, but we also had, um, how to say, uh, we had very engaging change agents who were so, so great in putting up questions, which really um, made us nervous because we thought, oh my goodness, this is really um, very difficult to answer. So we had to reach out to our experts in order to um, get the answers. And that was a great teamwork, you know, and uh, yeah. that is the reason why after two years and um, after the go live, uh, we didn't receive any complaints or a major shitstorm because the organization was prepared, you know? Yeah, good, good, good. Uh, are there techniques, advice uh, that you would say, look, this is, these are things you've learned. This is the best way to approach these kind of things? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first thing is, I think, um, a mindset thing for yourself. Be courageous and bold. So... If I can manage this, you can manage this, you know, and uh, <laughs> at the beginning, it may seem like a huge mountain of work and not uh, that it's impossible to tackle this. Always take step by step, you know, be courageous and bold. And if it doesn't work, just take a step back and think and reflect with others what would work better and then try it out again. And uh, this is interesting, um, Paul, because just yesterday um, evening, I discussed it with also an external consultant because she is also um, supporting a company for an Esfahana conversion. And what I understood is that they are a bit, how to say, hesitant to try this. And I told her, yeah, but you will not find a perfect way. There is no perfect concept. So okay. you really have to try it out, you know? Yeah. And then um, when you, you know, have prepared yourself mentally, I think it's uh, important to do your own homework. Really try to understand what the changes are about you know, and try to describe it in easy to understand words. So what we did is, because when we started, there were, you know, very glossy, shiny presentations, okay. but we thought, mm -hmm. uh, maybe top management, you know, they also don't have an SAP account, and maybe they, 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 they don't understand it. So we yeah. translated, what, what is ERP? What is an ERP system? An enterprise yeah. resource planning system. This helps to track you all the resources which you have, cash flow and so on. And what is S4HANA, you know, like, what does the abbreviation stand for? As for simple, for, for the first generation of an ERP system in SAP. HANA's the abbreviation of the uh, database which um, SAP installed. And bit by bit, we um, tried to really describe the scope and the objective and the purpose of the program. And what we also used were easy to understand pictures, like the S4HANA conversion we described with um, imagining um, renovating an, a house. So you have the option either to set up a new house, you know, this was something which we didn't decide on, but you have the possibility either to renovate only a few rooms or use the full potential of the renovation and look into every room and think uh, about what can you change, what should be taken out, what, should, what should, should be made new. And we also use really pictures of houses, you know. And another um, 
picture which we also received from a colleague who shared it with us. It was even better to understand. Imagine a smartphone update. Unless you haven't done the update for the last eight years, so the smartphone stays the same, but you have many, many new features. So that was excellent, you know? Yeah, people could relate to that. Yeah, yeah can they could understand that. Yeah, Absolutely. that's, yeah. So so I've heard empathy, but now I'm hearing, you know, uh, be humble, humility. You just got to be humble about it. You don't, you don't have to come in and pretend you're some Uber. I can sense that in, in the message. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think what is also very crucial is to look for coalition, you know, that you are not on your own. So we were in that very great situation that our group CFO, you know, our chief financial officer, she was the sponsor of the program and she was very visible. So she supported us in meetings, in virtual meetings, which we conducted for the affected end users. She reached out to the testers. She reached out to the managers of the testers in order that they have enough resources to do testing and um, all that. That was pretty cool. And another thing is plan sufficient resources mm. because yeah. you have to spend resources. It's a lot of work. You can't do it on your own and the project manager can't do it um, on him or herself uh, as well additionally additionally to the project uh, job. This right. is not possible. Right. And, and tell me about communication, right? So you, you've got all these people that are going to be affected. There's communication there. You have stakeholders. Uh, there's communication there, you know, those people who have funded it or the executives or who. So, so tell me about that a little bit. Okay. So what we did was, and that was also um, a learning which uh, my former boss uh, shared with us is because he spent eight years in the Asian region as an, um, as an um, expat. And uh, he was very keen on that the regions should be involved from a very early point on in that pro program. So at that time, when we started with our program, travels were still allowed because the pandemic has not, you know, um, has not been affected in, in the Western world. And uh, we started to travel the world. So we did a roadshow. Uh, we visited the uh, regional management teams. We also visited management teams of our business areas. Uh, we presented ourselves, we introduced ourselves and we presented the program. And what we also did is that that was in summer in 2019. We told them, we will come back to you in autumn and we'll ask you to nominate change agents in order to set up a change network. And this is what we did. So we um, also gave regular updates on the program in the management teams and that really helped a lot. And what we also had were uh, representatives, coordinators from the regions and from business who were working with us in the program in order to get information back and forth and also to give feedback, you know, and also to right. really inform their management and the employees on a very regular basis what kind of yeah, updates have been presented and what kind of changes will come. Yeah, yeah. How how big was the team of people who were actually, if you'd say, I mean, it was huge, I'm sure, but the if the core people who were uh, kind of the, the transformation office, the, the, the change management, making that happen, how many people was that? So in the change management office, it was myself, and I had a master's student who supported me for nine uh, months, and then uh, we had two and a half external consultants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was the change management office and the p program management office was done by an external consultancy as well. Right. So there were two uh, consultants and overall in program team, we were 450 
people from Evonik and from consultancies. Right, right. And that's smaller than I would have thought for such a major global transformation like that. It's manageable. I think companies can can come up with that. It's it's not a it's not like you need a thousand people working in change management. You just have to uh, have to have people like you who know what they're doing <laughs> and <Thank> be you. <laughs> courageous. You're courageous and learners. <laughs> yeah. So, what are you working on now? This 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 um, uh, transformation office and operations excellence. What uh, what's your next uh, <laughs> the next thing you're working on? So, I'm currently supporting as transformation office lead operations excellence. So, our aim is to make strategies, values, and all the processes and operations better for our customers, you know? And mm. we have two major transformation initiatives. The first one is the so-called Evonik production system, which targets at making operations processes uh, more efficient, also by installing a culture when it comes to um, continuous improvement. Paul, this might be very interesting for you coming from innovation management. And the second one is the uh, supply chain management initiative, uh, where we're also trying to set up a global supply chain because currently we are very, how to say, decentralized, organized, you know. Mm -hmm. And with all these programs, we have also very many change measures um, because in total we have to reach out to 18,000 people to get them on board, you know. And there are different change impacts from standardization, harmonization of processes, um, implementing new tools to the restructuring and uh, reorganization of uh, several topics. Yeah, you know, supply chain right now is is under severe change and stress. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. yeah. And I've always followed Ivonic, you know, as it as it implemented uh, processes and systems for new product development. That was probably before uh, before you joined the company, but they they did a very good job back then. So so my experience in just following the company is it it, it does a pretty good job at change uh, at change management. Uh, Thank you so that, much. I will tell yeah. the colleagues. <laughs> yeah, do that. Do that. <laughs> where, where do you see? things going, you know, everybody's talking about needing to be digital, digital systems, digital strategies, a lot of, a lot of change. Is that new or is that just, you know, new words for something you've been doing for a while? Um, This is not very new, but what is um, very huge currently in the chemical industry is uh, the topic of sustainability. Mm, Yeah. So this is, has become really huge um, due to the fact that in Europe by 2050, there's a so-called green deal where we would have to ensure that we would be climate neutral in Europe. So this has a major impact on the chemical industry, as you uh, might um, imagine. And that is the reason why Evonik also set them itself on um, very ambitious uh, goals when it comes to water or CO2 emission reductions. And um, it's not only that, but also when it comes to diversity, we also set ambitious goals when it comes to diversity in a senior or top management. Mm-hmm. Chemical industry might seem a bit, how to say, a bit um, conservative, you know. And this has been really a big surprise uh, to me that um, sustainability has become so huge. So yeah. I think it's um, amazing. This is really awesome. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, what the future will bring for the chemical industry. Maybe we'll also become one of the 
most loved employers like SAP always gets all the awards, you know, and yeah. it will also be, I mean, we're also very, how to say, we also um, receive many, many awards, but um, compared to SAP, I think um, there's still room for improvement. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think so. Well, you know, we've had uh, we've had some great guests uh, talking about sustainability in chemical industry. We had Jeffrey Whitford, who's with uh, uh, Middleport Sigma, part of Merck. I'm sure mm -hmm. you know of them. And we had Amy Cannon with Beyond Benign, mm -hmm. focusing on 12 principles of green chemistry. So it's good to see traction happening around sustainability with real measurable goals and strategies. Uh, so if the company says, look, this is where we need to be. This is what we need to be. Um, what do you think your role will be from a transformation office? Will, will, will there be systems that get implemented? Will there be uh, cultural changes, ways people work? Tell me some of the things that you might see the company yeah. has to do. I think it's uh, primarily also um, a cultural mindset topic, you know? Mm -hmm. So when we look at the maturity levels of organizations and when you think of an industry which is maybe a bit more conservative, so maturity level might be not that, how to say, advanced. So mm -hmm. this would be the role of transformation managers and change managers, how to transform the organization and, and also look for... Um, new people as well new people does not mean you know the same people with the same mindset and you know which whom you recruited the years before but also people who maybe look different you know and um yeah. also in chemical this is my perception uh, when i joined uh, the company that also the dress code was a bit formal you know maybe it would be one day that case i mean we've all been in home office uh, kind yes of so not uh, sticking anymore to suits and so on, but uh, when we go back to office, that it's also normal, you know, to come in your normal clothes and not um, dress up. Yeah, I, I think these kind of changes are happening in all companies. I know that, uh, you know, especially in the technology company that I work for, it's all about diversity. It's yeah. all about, you know, it's not, well, we're going to put a game at the end of the hallway and we're going to have a big open office. It's not that. It's, it's, I think companies have realized it's something else and you need, you need diverse people. You need yeah. a lot of viewpoints. And, and so I know my own company has been going through, through that change as well. So what you spoke about there, uh, the change of, of the way people think, the way the way the group thinks because it has new members in it with different viewpoints that's not that's not like implementing sap that's a different kind of change management isn't it absolutely and then you have to think about um how to change your organization so it's not only about recruiting new type of people but also offering them an environment in which they feel comfortable because otherwise they would leave the organization very uh, quickly again when they don't feel at home or when right. they don't feel a sense of belonging. And this is something which I think employers in general, not only the chemical industry, have to be aware and very good at in um, how to keep their staff emotionally satisfied, you know, and and, and offering them not only the, um, the open space, but really a home, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, we would really have difficulties losing the talents and I think we will also in the next years, we'll see more fierce war for talents again. And only the employers will survive who will be able to keep the best talented people. I think that's really wise. I think that's, that's very, very well said. You do all this work to get the people. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame when you see turnover, somebody stays two years and leaves. You know mm-hmm. that there's a void. You know that there's, you know, you spent time, effort, emotionally, people were connected, and then all of a sudden they go, and that's, that's not a recipe for success. So yeah. I think you're right about that. And we were, you were asking me about also trends, and I think one exactly. of the major trends will also be due to the agile movement, also when it comes to organizational structures, to think about self-organized teams, you know? So do we need all the leaders, for instance? Are, are, is our staff not well-educated enough in order to be self-organized? And this would mm-hmm. also be a new setup of um, organizational structure. And uh, this would also clash to the traditional, you know, uh, organizational structure, with, which is more used to command and control, for instance. Right. So I think this will also be a movement or trend, which uh, you will also see in um, many, many companies in, in the next years. Yeah. So management's changing, management styles changing. You know, hopefully the executives are able to, and they are, you see it more and more, the executives are putting, for instance, sustainability as that major objective. And they will, from the C-suite, they will, they will, they mm-hmm. will say, we are committed. And then that will enable organizations to then change. I think if you don't have that commitment at the top, very difficult to change. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been a wonderful discussion. I really enjoyed uh, talking about these concepts, Valley. It sounds... Uh, It sounds like you're going to be busy uh, for a long time. I do hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, doing great work, especially if it gets into sustainability. That uh, That's something that you'll look back on and say, hey, I did that or I helped I helped make that mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Any any f- final thoughts you want to share with the audience? Doesn't have to be, but uh, as we as we close up the, the session today? Just let me think. So change is not how to say it's it's not not magic you know you can make it happen so i would like to reconfirm this if i can do this you can do it too i think that's a wonderful expression if i can do it you can do it i love that <laughs> well Fali, if if people want to uh you know connect with you or find out more how can they reach out how can they find you Ah, I would love to connect with more people and new people. Just uh, reach out to me via my LinkedIn profile. So I'm quite yeah. active on that LinkedIn profile. Send me a message. Happy to connect and discuss it further with you. Great, great. And I encourage everybody to check out Folly's LinkedIn. You're going to be surprised because uh, we'll just spend 30 seconds here. Something called sketch notes. You're, you're drawing really beautiful uh, things. <laughs> What are sketch notes and, and, and when people go to your LinkedIn, they're going to see it. But what is that about and how did you, how did you get interested in that? That's really neat. Uh, this is also a hobby which I found again um, being in, in lockdown, you know. So um, when I was younger, I really loved drawing and then I skipped that, you know, due to job and moving around and so on and then uh, in in the lockdown i thought um because the first weeks at home i I thought it was horrible you know you were not able to see see people i wasn't able like like all of you what will happen you know with the uh, corona pandemic will i survive you know and i thought i would like to reflect this and i started to draw again then i uh, recognized okay this is interesting people like it so i developed it further so-called sketchnoting, and um, I've been uh, contacted by several colleagues who have asked me to draw sketchnotes with them in order to present their department or special topic or project. And yeah. um, 
what is really funny is that a former colleague of mine, she is a CHRO in um, one of the technology-based companies in the northern part of Germany, and she also reached out to me because she would like to have a sketch note for her executive board members. Which wow. is pretty nice, yeah. Which really nice, you know. So it's really nice, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. And so when people check you out on LinkedIn and they they reach out to you, they're going to see that, and that's a very uh, personal side of you that you share with the with the uh, with the world. And I think that's really special. So thanks for doing that as well. I appreciate that, Paul. Thank you so much. Good. Uh, I wish you the best of uh, the best of luck this year, and have a great, great, uh, great year. And 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 uh, let's just keep in touch. I'd love to uh, find out uh, the next uh, endeavor you take on, and and maybe share more with our audience about what you're doing. The same to you, Paul. Thanks again for having me. I'm very flattered and really looking forward to keeping in touch. Great. It's been a lot of fun. And to you, our listeners, thanks for joining us. Uh, really glad that you could join us. I hope you got some ideas here. I certainly did of things to think about uh, when you're implementing different systems, especially, as I said, software processes, uh, ways of working for, for innovation, for sure. And I uh, wish you all a great week. Take care, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.